Good morning, and may the Lord's grace and peace be with each one of you on this day, uh, uh, January 10th, 2021. Uh, I sincerely hope that your new year is off to a good start um, and that you are experiencing thus far uh, God's goodness and his faithfulness in this season. Uh, Last Sunday, we concluded our series um, on the road, on the road, and we used a series from Advent to Christmas to Epiphany Sunday. And Special thanks to Chris Marchand from last Sunday, who shared with us a little bit about his book, 12 Days of Christmas, which then culminates in Epiphany Sunday. And um, those books, 12 Days of Christmas, there's four of them in the library uh, right now. So if you want to come by and pick one up, first come, first serve for you. Um, Merry Christmas, I guess. Uh, So now we find ourselves in this uh, church season of Epiphany, and that's from now until the beginning of, of Lent, later in February. Uh, for the next six Sundays, we're going to just spend some time uh, with, meditate on, in this season, uh, with these, these poems, these songs, found right in the middle of, of the sacred text called the Psalms. Uh, these prayers, um, I, I think, are going to uh, be helpful uh, for us as we begin uh, this, this season, or this year of 2021, because the Lord knows we need it. Uh, each Sunday, we will read and engage with the lectionary psalm, and so uh, I'm not necessarily picking these out, but uh, they're they're being handed to us. Um, now, I've yet to preach um, consecutive Sundays on the psalms, and so this will be sort of a new venture for me, and I'm looking forward to it. And then, again, this will conclude uh, February 17th, Ash Wednesday, uh, with the, which will mark the beginning of our Lenten journey. Okay, so who knows, perhaps maybe by that time we might be in person. Uh, we, one can only hope and we'll pray towards that end. Uh, so I, as, as I mentioned, Epiphany, Epiphany Sunday, last Sunday, uh, it's the, uh, the 12th day, okay? Uh, and every year it falls on January 6th, and January 6th, um, which happened to be this past Wednesday. Now, uh, I want to take a brief look at this, this, just this word Epiphany, and we're going to look to our friend Webster and uh, offers four definitions on this word. Definition number one, a usually sudden manifestation or perception of the, of the essential nature or meaning of something. Definition, definition number two, an intuitive grasp of reality through something such as an event, usually simple and striking. Number three, an illuminating discovery, realization, or disclosure. And finally, number four, a revealing scene or moment. Now, uh, I've done this uh, with intention. I've included these pictures along with uh, those definitions. For there can be all sorts of things that can serve as epiphanies for us. So a question before we continue. A question, what did the events of Wednesday, which happened to be Epiphany uh, Epiphany Day, the Feast of the Epiphany, what did the events of, of Wednesday at the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. reveal to you about this nation that we call the United States? What did the events on Wednesday at the nation's capital in Washington, D.C., what did it reveal to you about the p- political process? What may have it revealed to you about the use of violence as a means in route towards an ideology? What did the events from Wednesday reveal to you about democracy? What did it reveal to you about empire? What did it reveal to you about power? 
did it reveal, re, uh, reveal anything to you about control? And what might of the events of Wednesday, as you maybe read about, sat, watched, took in, engaged with what was happening um, in our nation's capital, what did these events reveal to you about you? For we all experience capital chaos um, at its highest level on the Feast of Epiphany this past Wednesday. It seems like in times like these, um, one of the things that we as followers of Jesus, followers of the way, one thing that we can do is indeed pray. Which is why today, um, it is in fact right and good that we engage some of these ancient prayers, especially in this season, which come from a certain place, a certain time, a certain context in human history. And I believe that as we move through these next, next uh, Sundays together, I believe that they will be completely relevant uh, to these strange times that we find ourselves in, in the here and now, in 2021. So today, the, the, the lectionary hands us Psalm 29, Psalm 29, which is always uh, on this Sunday after uh, Epiphany. Uh, and we'll discover much, and, and much will be revealed about God through this psalm. Uh, a fancy word for this is uh, theophany, uh, a visible manifestation to humankind of a God or God with capital G. Now, we've heard this, this psalm, this song, this prayer once already in the service read by Kristen. Uh, however, I'd like to read it one more time this morning uh, as, we, as we dive in here. So, uh, so, Psalm 29, a psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord... O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. This is a throwback to maybe Genesis chapter 1, perhaps. The, glory, uh, the God of glory thunders the Lord over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bear, and in all his, and, and in his temple all say, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. It's not only just a beautiful and powerful psalm, um, uh, but I feel timely in this season that we find ourselves in, uh, the season of pandemic, isolation, racial tension, and political unrest, to name a few. So may you find this morning these words, bring to, uh, these words bringing comfort to you. Um, and if you're like me, when I engage a, a psalm or any text in scripture, it's, 
it's nice to kind of try to figure out the framework or the or, or the structure of what's what's happening. And the psalmist, this poet, provides such a structure because in verses one, so there's eleven verses, but it can be broken down into three parts. And this first part is really it serves as a call to worship. It's a call to worship, verses one and two. Uh, and then verses three through nine, it gives us uh, the voice of the Lord in the thunderstorm. Okay, so the voice of the Lord, the reason for the praise, the reason why we should be worshiping, the call to worship. And then we have this conclusion in verses 10 and 11, uh, and that's the Lord's enthronement, enthronement as king. Okay, uh, uh, this ancient poetry often uses what is called climatic parallelism. Uh, and we see seven different instances where Yahweh's thunderous voice is referenced, as well as 18 occurrences of the, of, of the name Yahweh. 18 occurrences in just 11 short verses. This is indeed a powerful song of, of great significance, to say the least. Now, as I read through this prayer, um, a couple of, of noticings for me. Uh, the call to worship, okay? So we have this call to worship, verses 1 and 2. And, and the call to worship is to who? To whom? Um, it's to heavenly beings. Uh, this can mean many things, angels, divine attendants, ministers of heaven, otherworldly beings, to be sure. Uh, with this call, might we see that it take, maybe it takes a language more than what humans can offer to adequately describe or to get closer to honor and praise of God, Right? So it's just, it's insufficient for us earthly dwellers to this, but ascribe to the Lord heavenly beings, right? Ascribe to the Lord. So um, so it's not enough for us below, but those in earth, uh, that for those on earth to sing praise, but uh, the significance of the moment requires that all beings, earthly and heavenly, um, to reveal God's power, to reveal that God's power is above all other powers, because the psalm declares that God and God alone is supreme over all the cosmos. The psalm re reveals then, that uh, it speaks of the response of worship, both happening on heaven or in heaven and on earth. Kind of reminds me of the, the Lord's Prayer, you know, uh, may it be on earth as it is in heaven, right? So a second observation uh, from just reading the text is that this word glory, glory is used four different times. Okay, glory is a fun word. Uh, literally means heavy or the weight of something, seeking to uh, express the significance of, of the matter. Okay, God indeed is the center of all things and the center of all of life. The glory here also uh, takes on this this um, this idea of manifestation, God revealing God's self, uh, which we see most clearly in Jesus the Christ. Okay. Uh, but we also see it in his power. God is revealing his power through, uh, through this, uh, through this psalm. So uh, now there's, there's about 15, 16 different times in all of scripture where it refers to God as the shelter. God is a shelter from the storm, okay? Uh, providing safety and security in the midst of storms whenever or whatever those storms may be. But in this psalm, Psalm 29, uh, we have the Holy One, as the one who is in the storm, okay? Uh, we see that in this prayer that God is in the thunder, that God is in the fire, God is in the earthquake, and, and God's voice is, it's God's voice that is shaking the desert. 
and snapping these cedars of Lebanon in half. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of violence. What's, the, what's that about? What's that about? Well, there's this old uh, Canaanite myth regarding creation. Uh, it's the god of Baal, uh, the thunder god who tamed the watery chaos um, and its wild sea monster in order to bring forth creation. So what we might have here in Psalm 29 is quite possibly the retelling of that mythical creation story, revealing that it's actually the God of Israel. It's the God of Israel that not only tames the chaos, he is the Holy One who is, who is in control of the whole thing in the first place. I read the following from a commentary, uh, uh, Richard Bruxford Culligan. Um, it says this, in, in the cultural world of the Psalms, the thunderstorm was a classic medium for describing the divine victor whose victory over the counterforces of chaos brings about the world brings about the world and manifests its reign of the of the deity okay I find that to be helpful uh, now the wonderful thing um, about this psalm psalm twenty nine is that the destructive power of the storm isn't the end of all things it's not the end okay it does not end with verse 9 with, with the forest uh, being stripped bare. It doesn't end there. It doesn't end in verse 9. This psalm, this prayer, ends on a different note. It ends on a different theme and a different reality. For it ends with peace. And it ends with shalom. All right? So this past Wednesday in our nation's capital, when violence has been unleashed in the world and it feels like everything's out of control and it's just uh, that all is in chaos. Um, when we are in, in just desperate need of help, our Psalm today, as well as many Psalms that we'll read throughout um, uh, the, all, all 150 Psalms, right? It reminds us of a God who is both in the storm Okay, as well as the, it's the same God is the one who will also bring peace. So whatever the chaos is around us, the psalm centers, centers us. It centers our minds. It centers our hearts on the fact that God, um, that the God of peace is here. And that the God is present even in this. So I think today with Psalm 29, I think we're being invited into, into the long view, okay? All 11 verses, okay, all 11. Um, and not the short view of the storm, because the storm is in verses three through nine, right? But the long view says that God, God's got this. God is indeed in control, even in the midst of chaos. Um, that we have most recently seen this past Wednesday, uh, at the Capitol building. And how do we know this to be true? How do we know this to be true? Well, draw our attention to verse 10. Because the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. Another way of saying it, the Lord sits enthroned over all the chaos. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. This is the seat of authority. This is the seat of sovereignty. And this is good news. Amen. It's good news. All right, and then in verse uh, 11, it says, May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Other translations, it's actually more, the Lord has. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord gives strength, or gives pe people uh, peace. All right, so this Psalm 29, this prayer, 
Specifically, the end reminds me of the quote from Martin Luther King. All right, so very familiar. We shall overcome. Overcome what? Overcome the chaos, overcome the injustice. Because the arc of the moral universe is long, the long view, and it bends towards justice. The mystic Julian of Norwich, uh, who lived in the fourth century in England um, uh, during the, the Great Plague, uh, amid the, the turmoil of that time, she became extremely ill. And she wrote in this time, when it was just all chaotic, uh, she wrote, even in the midst of this, of this hardship, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and, and all matter of things shall be well. So this morning, as we engage Psalm 29 together, uh, may we be reminded to look for God in the storm, okay? In whatever life brings and whatever, what and when the storms come, we're invited to look, to search, to find God. Because the same, this same God that we find is the one who will also bring peace and shalom and flourishing for all people. As followers of Jesus at this point in, at this point in human history, as we watch our government collapse in on itself, um, when our nation it, we live in is in chaos, uh, what are some of the ways that we, as followers of Jesus, might respond? I have a friend, his name's J.R. Uh, uh, Roscoe. Uh, he's the executive director of the Telios Collective, um, and he offers three things um, from a recent Facebook post. He says, first and foremost, for followers of Jesus, is to pray. To pray, to simply pray. Uh, if we if we find it difficult to find the words, um, then may, may may the Lord's prayer be our guide. Okay. Uh, secondly, we remember we remember the, the reality, the fact that all secular governments are temporary and are passing away. That God's that, that Christ's kingdom is alone, it's eternal, and that um, our relation to the to the state as citizens of another kingdom. Our relationship to the state, okay, to what's going on as citizens of another kingdom is one of conscience and prophetic encounter. And then thirdly, he offers, we stand. We stand. We stand for, for God's peace in the way of Christ. We stand for God's justice in the way of Christ. And above all, we, we stand for co-suffering love in the way of Christ. Co-suffering love. Now, this isn't a complete list, but it's helpful to be sure. In the standing here, this number three, that, that may look different for each one of us. But the, but the encouragement is to stand, to not be silent, uh, not to remain quiet in the land. Uh, for, uh, as for the first encouragement from JR um, in this post, it says it's, it's prayer. So I thought it would uh, this morning to be appropriate to end with prayer, uh, the sermon ending with prayer, uh, using Psalm 29 as our guide. So let us pray together. Holy One, as your people of ancient Israel described you with uh, images of power, destruction, and transformation, open our imaginations to who and what you are. God of glory, you are, your awesome presence permeates all things. Open our world to your majesty, which is transforming our ways of seeing. 
God of grace. Your surprising presence permeates all things. Open our hearts to your compassion, which is transforming our ways of thinking. God of transformation, your disruptive presence permeates all things. Open our habits to your holiness, which is renewing our ways of living. Holy One, we desire to trust you with what's going on with us. Together with the support of these people of God and all the saints surrounding, we open to you now our hopes and fears. We pray together with the beloved who loves us and leads us on. Amen. Grace and peace be with each one of you.